to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon, and it is Monday, June 7th here in New York City. Hope everyone is doing well. It was a great, exciting afternoon of NBA playoff basketball yesterday and finished with a really exciting uh, soccer match between the U.S. and Mexico, where the U.S. won the inaugural CONCACAF Nations League championship with the Christian Pulisic penalty kick in extra time, which was a really thrilling, really exciting game uh, and a great way to end uh, a pretty good sports weekend. So diving into the NBA games from yesterday, it was the biggest game of the day was obviously Clippers Mavericks game seven with a chance to really, you know, if if you think about writing, not necessarily the history of the NBA, but the next one to two seasons, if the Clippers loss yesterday that roster's blown up Kawhi Leonard's on the move again Paul George is likely on the move again maybe they both stay but it's likely both of them are not on the teams that they are currently on this was a massive massive game for the Clippers and on the flip side for Dallas it was a massive game for Doncic's ascension to that next level of superstardom because he's already a star in the NBA. He's already one of the 10 best players. He'll all he'll be one of the favorites next season for MVP. It would have been to win the first playoff series just to get over that hump would have been massive. But yesterday, the Clippers survived. They survived in advance. The home team finally won a game in the series. The Clippers ended up winning by 15 points, and the game turned. In the third quarter, Dallas went on a 7-0 run, took the lead. They were up by about five or seven points, and the Clippers responded with a 20-2 or 18-2 run that really just pushed the lead out and and really just didn't end the game there, but it made it really, really tough as Dallas did not shoot the ball great from the three-point line. You know, Finney Smith was awesome, four for seven from threes, six offensive rebounds. He was he came ready to play, ready to go. Luca was you could he was incredible. He had an A game, but there was like 10 or 15 plays that were bad plays that it just shows just how much better he can still get and how much farther he has to go in his career because he was exceptional with 46 points, 14 assists, 7 rebounds, but there are still a bunch of plays and a bunch of shots that, that he took that I'm sure he wishes that he could get back. But, they, you know, Dallas struggled from the three-point line. Porzingis 0 for 5, Hardaway 1 for 9. When you're not getting shooting from the surrounding guys, it's really, really tough to win. You know, they And give the Clippers credit. Give the Clippers credit. They... Fell down three to two. Dallas went big in game five. They started Boban. He's you know he played thirty one minutes tonight. He had fourteen points, ten rebounds. He he was a factor in this series. And the Clippers and Coach Lou stuck with their strategy of going small. I disagreed with it. I thought Zubat should have played more. He only played. He barely played two and a half minutes. In game seven, I thought he was the advantage. He's their best big guy. I think Zubac is better than than Boban. But defensively, they felt that they were at their best. Even if they had to give up those five or six or seven layups to Boban and a couple offensive rebounds each quarter, you know, five or six rebounds over the course of the game, that going small was their best chance to win. And and it worked out. <laughs> you know, Coach Coach Lou played he played the right cards. Obviously, this game, the Clippers do not win this game if Marcus Morris does not make seven three-pointers. 
go seven for nine from three. They do not win this game because Paul George is only two for eight. He was five for 15 from the field. Kawhi Leonard was exceptional. That was expected. 28 points, 10 for 15 from the field, made all seven free throws. But this game, they do not win this game if Marcus Morris does not make seven threes. They also do not win this game if Terrence Mann does not make two threes. And most importantly, they do not win this game if Luke Kennard does not stay ready. You can say this about Terrence Mann too. Staying ready after getting five straight DNPs to start the series, Luke Kennard comes into game seven, plays 14 minutes, hits three threes, hustles on defense, did a really, really good job at... Obviously, Dallas was going to try to get him into pick-and-roll action. He did a great job at showing on the screen and not just giving into a switch, but showing and hustling back to his man to try to keep those matchups right in the Clippers' advantage. He was he was the X-factor today. You, you could talk about just... You could say Morris is the X-factor. Reggie Jackson hit a, hit a bunch of big shots, but you always need in these series... Someone completely unexpected to step up. For Dallas, it was Boban. And for the Clippers, it was Kennard and Terrence Mann. They both were terrific. It reminded me of Game 7, 2016, Cavs-Warriors, when Coach Lou went to Mo Williams and Dante Jones in Game 7, and they gave him good minutes. You know, I think Mo Williams or Dante Jones, I, I think they both had a couple layups. Those, you know, th- those types of things that, those little moves and just having faith in your whole roster makes makes such a big difference in a seven game series when you ha- it depth really really shows and Dallas just didn't have the depth to keep up with the Clippers. They didn't have the shooting off the bench. You know they went with Trey Burke to Trey uh, yesterday to try to find some magic in a bottle. Did, you know he he was you know he got a couple good shots off, didn't fall. Brunson, not not a great three-point shooter, but doesn't have the same type of high upside from three in a one-game situation that Kennard brings to the table or Marcus Morris. Dallas going forward needs to, I want to say, rebuild their roster because they were at the five seed. They were they had a really great season after getting off to a really, really slow start when they were told that the season was going to start in January and then ended up starting in December. So Doncic was out of shape at the beginning of the season. They dealt with some serious COVID protocol. Uh, we had a bunch of guys out, dealt with some injuries. And to come back and be the five seed in an extremely competitive Western Conference, they had a really good they had a really good season. But their biggest offseason acquisition last year was they bring in Josh Richardson to be their defensive wing. Well, he was so bad from three in the 20% range, he became really, really hard to play in these types of series. And he ended up, you know, their best, quote unquote, coming into the season, their best wing defender played six minutes. So any way that they can try and improve the depth of their roster, get some more, you know, everyone's looking for three and D players. It's so much easier said than done to to find those guys. But if they can try to get a little bit better defensively on, on the wings, the this the ceiling for this team is really high because of Luka Doncic. And it, if they can do anything or find a way to get Porzingis a little more involved in the offense. Now, Porzingis adjusted really well. He was, I thought, pretty good in this game. Rebounded defensively pretty well. He did a good job at, as the series went on, the ball would go to the high post or the low post to Boban or Dwight Powell or Luka. He would cut 
baseline, he would cut from the wing, and he got a bunch of dunks and layoffs, uh, dunks and layups off of that action during the series. I thought that was impressive, just his basketball IQ, making those types of reads and adjustments. Uh, if they could find a way to get him involved more in the offense going forward, that that would be huge because you know what Hardaway is. He's a great shooter. You know Finney Smith is that glue guy who's going to offensive rebound, work really hard, hit open shots, guard, compete. I love watching him play. He was great in this series. But if they can find a way to just improve their roster just a little bit now, we'll see what happens with the Clippers going forward because they have a really tough matchup with the Utah Jazz, top seed, best record in the NBA. I still think if the Clippers lose in the next round, that roster could be shaken up and Kawhi Leonard would fit perfectly, perfectly on this Dallas team. Perfectly. But we, we can get we'll get more into that in the offseason and all that stuff on, on future podcasts. But it this was a great series. The coaching battles, the 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 battle between the superstars of Doncic and Kawhi Leonard was just incredible. Just want to shout out Kawhi Leonard for playing back to back game six and sevens, forty plus minutes carrying the load offensively, doing whatever it takes, had a near triple-double. You know, he was one assist short. He got four steals in this game as well, and he was guarding Doncic pretty much the entire game. And, you know, Luka was incredible, 46 points. He was hitting some shots that were just, you know, jaw-droppingly amazing. Step-back threes, contested, Euro steps, uh, spin uh, fadeaways, in the paint, just he was incredible. But give you know, Kawhi Leonard was incredible as well. And yeah, look, we're we're gonna talk about the Clippers all the all, all the way because they've never made a Western Conference Finals as a franchise. They're exercising their demons from last year and really just like the history of the franchise. And until they do it, we'll always think, eh, are are they gonna quote unquote Clipper? And with Kawhi Leonard playing the way that that he is. It's, it, they're going to be a tough out. They're going to be a tough out in a seven-game series because they have a deep roster. They can shoot the three, and they can guard. And they can guard big, and they can guard small. So we'll see, but I'm looking forward to that series. That series starts in a couple of days. Other game yesterday, Hawks-Sixers. The Hawks came out and jumped on Philly early. Early. They were up 20 points at halftime. It was a truly just massively impressive display offensively by Atlanta in the first half. Some questionable lineup choices by Doc Rivers at a time where I think he went with all five bench unit guys at the same time for probably a little too long, but give it up to Atlanta. They they put on an offensive show in the first half. Trey Young, you know, he was exceptional. He's proving me wrong in in the playoffs. I I wasn't I was a fan of his, but I didn't think it would come and he would be at this level so quickly with the with this amount of postseason uh, s- success at this point of his career. And it just speaks to their front office and coaching staff of pushing the right buttons, bringing in the right players around him. You know, Bogdan Bogdanovich is exceptional. He's an exceptional player. John Collins is fantastic. The acquisition of Clint Capella was brilliant getting him essentially when Houston just got rid of him because Houston had to change strategies last year. And they kind of just got Clint Capella as, you know, not for free, but for way less than what Clint Capella's true value is. Clint Capella has completely changed this team, 
you know, paying Gallinari, bringing Lou Will in in a trade, knowing exactly what who he is and what he can bring to a basketball team and the and the team that they have, just brilliant. But it all goes around Trey Young. And give Philly credit; they did not stop playing. They forged a ferocious comeback attempt at at the end of the game. Fell just short, but the big takeaway from this game is Atlanta offense is for real. Philly needs to do a better job defensively with Trey Young, whether that's trapping him on those screens so he can't turn the corner, whether it's more ball denial when he's off the ball, trying to find ways to get him into actions defensively, even though Atlanta does a good job at hiding him, things to just make his life more difficult and force guys like Solomon Hill to hit four or five threes a game and just try try that because they are dynamic, dynamic on the offensive side of the ball. And the big thing for, for Philly, look, even though that they lost game one, Joel Embiid looked, he looked healthy. He's still battling that knee injury, so we don't know how he's going to recover from game to game and over the course of this seven-game series. But he had 39 points. He, he was 14 for 15 from the free throw line. He was extraordinary. He was fantastic. As we previewed before, Atlanta cannot guard him. They just cannot guard him. And you saw that. He was 12 or 21 from the field and got 15 free throw attempts. They can't guard him. They don't have an answer for him. And so as is Joel being healthy, I still think means that Philly's going to win this series. He's the best player on the court. He's the most dominant player on the court. They have to find a way to bat, hang in more defensively because Atlanta can't really guard them. Uh, they didn't shoot that well from three, you know, only made 10. They were 10 for 29. Uh, but this is this is a game where you could just see, okay, Embiid healthy, result okay. We'll get, we'll, we'll, we'll get game two. Well, now if they lose game two, now it's panic. But this is, this is a game where you can see that. And, you know, Ben Simmons, three for 10 from the free throw line, that, crushing you know that one really really hurts because he was playing a really good game otherwise but we've talked about that before and his free throw shooting take this for what it is and beat is healthy figure out a way defensively to try to come up with the strategy because you're not going to stop Trey Young but try to make his life difficult or contain him a little bit more try to get the ball out of his hands an extra three or four possessions a game instead of when he can dictate something those little things over the course of a game and of course of a series can can really add up. So that's what I'd be looking for going forward in in, in this series. Tonight, another good night of basketball in the NBA. We have two games. Bucks Nets, TNT, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. They have already announced that James Harden will not be playing for the Brooklyn Nets tonight. He will be out with that right hamstring injury. Unclear how optimistic they are about Game three and four, obviously way too early to tell. I'm sure he's doing around-the-clock treatment, and we'll get the tweets from Woj and Shams and, and Mark Stein and uh, and Chris and uh, Chris Haynes and, and all those guys. Will, will, they'll let us know if James Harden's playing first. So it's it's something to, to, to keep an eye on, but it's, it is what it is at this point. He's injured unclear when he's coming back. I would expect them to start Bruce Brown tonight in his place. Player from Auburn. He's 
perhaps their best defensive guard on the wings. Anything to try and slow down this Milwaukee Buck offense because they could start Landry Shaman and get another shooter out there and even more offense, but they'll be worse defensively. And Milwaukee's game plan, I don't think, is going to change offensively except try and, you know, make the threes that they shot in game one that they just missed because they're going to attack the glass on offensive rebounds with Giannis, P.J. Tucker, Brooke Lopez when Bobby Porras comes in, when Middleton's down there. They have a huge size advantage, not just height, but strength as well in certain matchups, and they're going to attack the rim. They're going to attack the rim. Giannis in the first Giannis and, and the and the Bucks in the first quarter of game one, I think scored 22 points in the paint. It was some type of NBA record uh, or NBA high for, for this season. They're just going to attack the rim. They're going to attack the rim and make the referees, one, call fouls. Two, they're going to make Brooklyn put in Nick Claxton or DeAndre Jordan to protect the rim. Now, Kevin Durant was a good, very good rim protector with Golden State. But with his injuries and the load he has to carry offensively on this team, especially now with Harden out, we'll we'll see if he can play small ball five because that usually means he'll be guarding Giannis or Brooke Lopez. Um, it'll be interesting to to see. But if they can get Blake Griffin into foul trouble, that could be big. Now the now the thing you have to watch out for is Blake Griffin's very good at taking charges, so it could work in reverse that you could drive and think you can get him in foul trouble. Instead, he'll, he'll draw a charge on Giannis or Middleton. And now all of a sudden the bucks are concerned about foul trouble, but the more that they can attack the rim and get Claxton onto the court, even though he's good, better defensively than Blake Griffin or Deandre Jordan, just trying to force the nets to play a lot of guys, try, try to force them to use their bench because They've had so much lineup uncertainty this this season, trying to get them into lineups and situations where they haven't had a lot of practice this season, I think could be advantageous for Milwaukee. Obviously, Milwaukee could have won game one and if they just shot the three ball better. And that, I think that's what it's going to come down to tonight. Watch out for Chris Middleton's shooting percentages. If he's having a good, efficient night early on, you could say the same thing about Drew Holiday, but especially Chris Middleton. Uh, expect Milwaukee to have a great chance to to win this game tonight and and split the series before going back home. And if and if you're Brooklyn, basically play do the same thing you did the other night. Pass the ball, move it really well. You have two unguardable players on the wings. Attack certain matchups that you know are advantageous, especially when Bryn Forbes and Pat Connaughton are are on the court when Milwaukee goes to their bench. Um and just and just kind of just do your thing because Milwaukee they're down one zero. You have to match their level of desperation, and if and if the Nets can do that, if they shoot the ball well again tonight, they're they're always going to be a tough team to beat. So I'm really excited for for that game, seven thirty TNT. Then the other game tonight, Nuggets Suns, ten o'clock East Coast time. This series I think will come down to defense. Unclear if Denver has enough defense to stop. Phoenix, that's always the question with this team, especially with no Jamal Murray, because they're going to score. Jokic is so good that that they're going to score and, and get good shots, but can they guard 
Devin Booker? Can they guard Chris Paul? Can can they contain Bridges and Johnson on on the wings and Jay Crowder, who just are just very very good three point shooters? And what's their response going to be when Phoenix tries to attack Jokic in pick and roll situations with Chris Paul and with Devin Booker off the dribble? Because Devin Booker has gotten better and better at that over the course of his career, and he's really good at it now. He was attacking the Lakers' big guys in in the pick and roll. We'll see. Jokic is kind of used to being picked on 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 defense, and he kind of responds to it by saying, "Well, you can't guard me, so I'm just going to have 35 on you." Um, and does a great job fainting and stunting and making the offense think. But this is going to be a really really good series, and. <clears throat> I'm really looking forward to it. It's it's just game one, so so we'll see. Teams are gonna feel each other out. Denver, Denver seemingly always plays series that goes six or seven games. So no matter what happens tonight, don't you know read too much into it. If if Denver loses by eighty five points or something absurdly crazy, then you can overreact. But whether Denver wins or loses, expect this series to go six, maybe seven games minimum, and they may somehow find a way to force a game eight you know <laughs> crazy things always happen with the Denver Nuggets and the playoffs so I'm looking forward to that mainly just to see how Jokic the MVP of the league uh attacks offensively against a really good young big guy in DeAndre Ayton who played a great first round series against the Lakers I'm really excited to see how Jokic attacks him and how Ayton stacks up Ayton uh, was the number one pick in 2018. This is his first real extended test against a truly superstar dominant big guy in the playoffs because Anthony Davis got hurt midway through that series against Phoenix. So uh, we will see, and I'm just really, really excited for this series and seeing the, the the coaching adjustments, coaching changes, just to see how many threes Jay Crowder can shoot because that guy just with the way the offense goes, he's he's just, you know, sometimes you have to pick your poison and he always gets them up and, and he's the last year been knocking them down and he's the X factor in, in this series. Him, Bridges, Johnson, those guys for Phoenix are the X factor. And this is a big chance for Aaron Gordon. This is a huge chance for Aaron Gordon. He's probably going to get the starting assignment on Devin Booker. He was the big midseason acquisition. They went with him because to add defense and defensive versatility on the wing, guy guy who can switch, guy who can rebound and but mainly guard the other team's best wing. He's going to have the Devin Booker assignment, a really really tough one and we'll see how he does. He's bigger, he's a little bigger than than Booker, so we'll see if how that affects things as as the series goes on, but I'm really excited and Michael Porter Jr is going to get him up. So I say he takes 18 plus shots tonight, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's closer to to 24 or 25. But I'm really excited for for this series. It's a great night of basketball on on TNT, and uh, I'm just I'm just looking forward to see how both these games go. Game two, Bucks Nets. Game one, Nuggets versus the Suns. So that'll do it for this episode of the Double Double. If you like this podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast, and you can subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars would be much, much appreciated. You also follow us on Twitter at DBL underscore DBL podcast. We will be back hopefully tomorrow. So take care and have a great day.